America, and other free and open societies face crucial challenges and opportunities abroad that affect security and prosperity at home. This is a series of conversations with guests who bring deep understanding of today's battlegrounds and creative ideas about how to compete, overcome challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and secure a better future. I am H.R. McMaster. This is Battlegrounds. On today's special episode of Battlegrounds, our focus is on rugby and what it teaches us about leadership and teamwork. Our guest is Richie McCaw, the former captain of New Zealand's national rugby team, the All Blacks. Over a 15-year career, McCall played a record 148 matches with an 89% winning record. He captained 110 games, including two Rugby World Cup victories, and was three-time International Rugby Player of the Year. McCall was inducted into the World Rugby Hall of Fame in 2019 and named World Rugby Player of the Decade. McCall is widely regarded as one of the greatest rugby captains in history. From the Middle Ages, England has been home to localized informal football games, each with unique rules. According to legend, in 1823, a student, William Webb Ellis, at the rugby school in England ran with a ball, in disregard of the rules at a school football game. And the game of rugby was born. Interest and participation in the new game spread. The first officially recognized code of laws was established in 1871, forming the Rugby Football Union. In 1880, Walter Camp proposed alternative rules which led to the modern game of American football. In 1895, 22 teams in northern England broke away from the Rugby Football Union who wished to be paid for playing. A rival professional version of the game emerged, named Rugby League. Rugby Union, however, remained a purely amateur sport for another 100 years. The sport spread throughout the UK to Europe, Africa, North and South America, Australia and New Zealand. Regular competitions developed among rugby-playing nations, and deep traditions emerged. Foundational rivalries among nations as well as among universities, rugby clubs, and schools established the rugby community. At the outbreak of World War I, around 90% of rugby players across England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, France, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa enlisted and 127 international players were killed in action. Rugby has remained loyal to the long-held ethos that it is not only played by the laws of the game, but also within the spirit of the laws. The rugby spirit creates a fellowship and sense of fair play that are a defining part of the game. Today, more than 10 million men and women across 128 countries play rugby. The Rugby World Cup is contended every four years, New Zealand's All Blacks beat France at the inaugural Rugby World Cup in 1987. On the eve of the 2023 Rugby World Cup in Paris, we welcome Richie McCaw to discuss the state of rugby and the lessons the sport offers for developing leaders, fostering teamwork, strengthening communities, and building a better future. Richie McCall, welcome to Battlegrounds. Hey, what a pleasure it is to have you on this program. I've admired your play and your leadership uh, for a long time. Great to have you. 
Thank you for having us. Yeah, that's no, a real privilege to be on. Hey, well, we got a lot to talk about, right? Because, you know, I think there's a heck of a lot the world can learn from rugby and can learn from the All Blacks and can learn from, from your experience. So, hey, I'd like to just jump right in on, on this and talk about really, you know, how do you think you develop a culture of excellence? I mean, the All Blacks record is phenomenal, right? And you, you joined essentially um, a living historical community in which players – you know, to, to use your words, own the want to earn, own the jersey, leave it in a better place than you found it. I find that a lot like the military, right? You you know you 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 inherit a legacy of excellence from those who have gone before you, and then you feel like it's your duty to build on it. But can you talk more about that? How to create you know a culture that's committed to excellence like the All Blacks? I think one um, one of the things you talk about legacy is that uh, New Zealand. Rugby's the number one game. It's been been like that since you know the well the originals uh, original black team which uh, toured the the uh, the UK in 1905, and and I guess uh, if you go right back to that point, uh, a lot of the the men that went back to play in that that uh, 1905 were um, sort of first generation that had come from uh, the UK, and then they went back to play against the the home country and and did pretty well and I guess that was the start of uh, something that was you know unique to New Zealand and throughout the years you know it was amateur right up until 1996 um, you know the uh, I guess it represented the the, the men that had uh, sort of forged their way in New Zealand to um, you know that had arrived here and obviously the the local Maori people would, uh, the native uh, to New Zealand had, had taken the game of rugby on and it was a unique uh, I guess blend that um, you know had had success throughout the years so when I arrived in uh, 2001 you know to play for the All Blacks obviously I'd watched all through my uh, younger years wanting to you know see the All uh, watch the All Blacks play and then eventually you know the dream of playing there's kind of a, a hundred years of uh, you know success that had gone and, and it was one part of it was quite intimidating, but the other part was exciting. You got a chance to to be there, to be in the team and, and put on the black jersey, which you know is obviously in New Zealand, you know, a symbol of uh, something that we're all hugely proud of. So um, a lot of that was done through there. But the, the big trap, I suppose, is you you, you just expect you put on the jersey and you're going to be bulletproof and uh, it's all going to take care of itself. You still got to make sure that when you're there, you. You know your your behaviours and your attitudes and your the training and 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 it's all those things you've got to do dead right to um, live up to what's expected. And I think um, <clears throat> through the years I was there, um, one of the things that it was easy to assume that you know people coming in, you know, they might have a bit of an idea of of what the legacy and what's expected, but actually the people that are there actually. Uh, make sure you, you showed or you know, the new people, you know, what was expected, how to do it and, and ensure that, as you say, that your time in the jersey is only short, you know, compared to the whole legacy. But if you can leave it in a better place, you've done something that uh, everyone else has done in the years gone by. And we, we always say, you know, the people change, the, the, the actual jersey changes, but what never changes, it's the black jersey or the silver fern that represents, you know, uh, many, many people that have gone before. And um, I, I think just yeah, taking that, but actually adding your flavour, the group you've got to it, uh, to work out how you can be successful, um, you know, it was, isn't just something that happens. And and so, you know, there's all sorts of things we used to, 
try and do to ensure that that um, that culture of excellence uh, and you know striving to be the best, you know, not just sometimes, every time was was hugely important, and um, and it sort of become the norm. So you know, you, you know, if you say, "Oh, winning, not winning this week's okay," that was never something that even entered our mind. So I guess those are the sort of uh, attitudes and and the. The, the history of the All Blacks that uh, was important to, you know, what you've just described. You know, Richie, I, I think about the, how the warrior ethos, right, is uh, it's the most essential element for combat prowess, right? Your, your ability to fight and win in battle. And, man, I think it, it really it really comes from this this uh, covenant like the, that, that you have among members of the team in which you're bound together by a sense of honor, right? You're not going to let, you know, you're not going to let the soldier on your left or right down. Uh, and then also like this covenant, right? That around these 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 kind of principles, these values of of of, of courage, you know, and and the sense of duty to one another um, and to and to your country. And could you talk a little bit about how the how the All Blacks build cohesion, build that kind of that that mutual confidence in one another, and then and 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 how that relates to the prowess on, on the pitch. One of the things about rugby, which you know, it's probably got some similarities to say in the military, is that you, you can't do it on your own. Um, you know, you've got to rely on you know, you got your fifteen positions out in the field. You need to all do your different roles uh, that works works together to be successful. If you try and do it on your own, uh, and you have fifteen people all doing on their own, you go off in different directions. You're never going to have success. So, you know, I always. Um, Said, who do you who do you when you put on the jersey and go out and play alongside your teammates? Are, are you, who, who are you actually doing it for? And and I, I used to come back to the the thing I, I was doing it for is make sure that the men beside me trusted that I'd do my job. And if we all thought about how we earn the guy beside you's trust, it's about consistency and you know doing the work so you turn up and you get your job done. And if you've a group that are all striving to do that, you're going to have a cohesive unit that all you know uh, put. I guess the team and the success of where you want to go ahead of your individual, uh, you know, um, egos or whatever it comes to it. And and we used to talk a lot about that. It's, you know, buying into making sure that the, the team's successful and whoever it is that gets the privilege to put the jersey on, uh, whatever number you're wearing uh, each week, you go and perform your role to, as I say, uh, contribute your bit. Um, I, I think that uh, made a, made a huge um uh impact on on guys that uh digging into you know what I can do to actually you know contribute to this team and and then the other thing is actually talking about where the team wanted to go like how good does the team want to be and if you set your sights too low you know people are going to go oh well it's all right just turn up or take a shortcut today but if you're actually really going into you know do things that are you know uh that are hard and tough and um you know uh then you you know, it gets people sitting forward on their seat and they're going to go, man, this is make me, makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, you know, I'm not sure what, what's going to happen, but we're aiming to get to this place. Um, so we all need to do our bit to, to get there. And, and, and I think th there's that mentality that's important, but then there's the, the ability to be able to, as you say, the, uh, the physical battle of being able to do it over and over uh, and, and, and not, not get caught out or not, uh, you know, just turn up and hope it's going to happen is being able to be on every single time so that, you know, because you've got a bunch of guys trying to stop you doing that, you know, that that takes a, a yeah. deep, I guess, 
you got, it's got to come from within to go, actually, I really want to make sure that I don't get caught out here. And, and as I say, let down the guys beside you. And, and I think that that's what the intrigue certainly for me was, is to be able to get yourself in a state to deal with the physical and the, the, uh, the combat side of uh, the game, but also the mentality of making sure you can do it over and over again and do it when it counts and, and make sure you've got a team that all can do that. That's the bit that I think rugby, you know, was certainly uh, intriguing. And I think that's what we had, had some ups and downs at certainly early in my career, but we started to uh, see the reward of getting, you know, putting time and effort into addressing all those areas. Yeah, Richie, I, I think we just talked about in terms of common trust, mutual trust, common purpose, you know, and an organization. It's it's really what leads to really that kind of cohesion and and uh you know the unwillingness to let to let each other down. You know, in this book, The Face of Battle, John Keegan wrote that hey, what battles have in common is human. He wrote a, a book about across five centuries, you know, and he said, Hey, I, I saw changes as I, as a, I saw battles in, in this one area in, in Belgium, really where they focused on, but what I saw most was continuities. And, and he writes that the battle is about the disintegration of human groups. <laughs> and I think a lot of what we, you know, what we're talking about is you don't want your group to disintegrate. You want to disintegrate your, your opposition. And a, yeah. a lot of the way you do that is the way you lead an organization. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Now you were, you were captain for I think 110 matches, right? And and um, and when you came in as a leader of of of, uh, of an elite organization with this legacy of excellence, how did you foster that kind of continued commitment to excellence? And and how how did you keep that kind of cohesion, right? That that allowed you to be successful. I think the first thing I uh, what well, it didn't just I, I didn't just have it figured out from day one. I you know obviously I got. Um, made captain uh i was only 20 uh 25 at the time and i've been playing some good rugby but just because i was playing good rugby didn't mean i had the leadership side sorted out uh you know and and it went quite well for the first little period and then we went to a world cup in 2007 and we had a talented team and we turned up and and the pressure in a quarter final when we had a team that was on fire against us we we just disintegrated just like you say we uh, all looked at each other rabbit in the head, headlights and when you're standing there as captain feeling like that yourself going I, I actually don't know what to do uh or you know the old helpless feel it's a pretty horrible feeling to have and um it wasn't because we didn't have the ability it wasn't because we didn't you know have the skills but it was pressure caused us to uh start questioning those things and start trying to go individual all, the, all those little things that cracks that you know, uh, you hope don't pop up did, you know, when it all, all came down to it. So that was a quite a, a learning process to go, well, what is it that, that we were missing? And it was being able to deal with those big moments when it's uncomfortable and, you know, four years of work comes down to, uh, that one day and are you going to be able to execute your skills on that day? And I guess that's where leadership comes in is to go, well, don't be afraid of those situations. If you want to be successful, we're going to have to go and face those situations. And and actually, rather than hoping they're not going to come, actually expect them to come and go, okay, are we going to have the tools in our box to to deal with them? And and it, I think it starts, as you say, with the, with the captain and then a, a, the senior group. We had to, first of all, understand, you know, what happens in those situations and, and then what we can actually do about it. And it wasn't just clicking the fingers and go, oh, we've got it. Uh, mastered now it was actually how do we work on 
you know, skills, techniques, you know, ways of looking at it, um, attitudes to these moments that obviously filter down to the rest of the team so that we can um, not so much not feel the pressure or feel those things that we can wobble, but actually how do we stay tight and hang in there and, and find a way to, um, to uh, you know, get the, get the result we're after. And, you know, I think I, I, in answer to your question about myself, the, the first one is I had to make sure I had my performance spot on. So the attitude I had around getting better, so it wasn't just because I was captain now and I was, I was looking at everyone else, expecting them to be better. I had to uh, show the example of how I'm uh, getting better every week, what my uh, behaviours are like, so how I turn up to training, how I um, do all the little things. So I had to get that spot on. And then it was about not having all the answers myself, but actually having a group of, especially senior players, a, a, a way of making sure that we all contributed so that when it got tough, we had people all come up with uh, solutions and hanging in there to to ensure that, um, you know, we, we didn't have to wait till the result had gone the wrong way to say, oh, there, there was a opportunity or something we missed. We needed guys in the moment to be thinking like that. And, and I guess I saw my role rather than having all the answers is actually making sure I had a group that, would contribute and start asking questions of them, and uh, and whoever the a solution came from or a, uh, an idea that we go, if that's the right one we will get them behind it. And I think having having a group like that united, uh, um, you know, when it gets tough, you can look each other in the eye. You don't necessarily need words. You just know that hey, look, we've we've been here before or we've talked about this. This is the moments we've expected and uh, we just need to hang in here. And, um, and you got to remember, you got a team on the other side that they'll be feeling it as well. And if we can just push enough where they start to fold, there's nothing more satisfying than seeing that, you know, when you're in a wrestle and you start to see them crack, I tell you that that's the bit that I really loved. And in some ways you went from, not necessarily wanting to be in those real wrestles, they're actually wanting to be there just to see uh, how how the opposition reacted and seeing them start to crumble. And when you push that mall across the try line, it's a good feeling. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and just seeing, you know, like body language. I, I I used to think quite a lot about how I could lead just with body language. So when things are starting to you know become a bit uh, rocky, you know, if I look like I'm starting to get rocky with it you know that's not a great so i used to think a lot about you know in those moments standing and commanding your spot you know with your right body language how you speak where you put your eyes uh how you talk to your the ref or your teammates or look the opposition like little things like that i think uh i started to work on in your book richie which is excellent you know you, you talk about your reflection in this time this period of time and you write all you wrote all these questions to yourself you know about how you could get better as a leader. I thought that was that was that was tremendous, you know, in terms of that your self-reflection in that period of time too. Well, I think as I said, the I mentioned 2007, you've got a choice. I had a choice at that point. And you could just say, oh, it's not fair and blame, you know, why you had a result that didn't go your way, or you use that as a as a learning. And what I found is when you sort of go, okay, I, I want to learn and, and get better, I realize I'm not nowhere near the finished article. Uh amazing what people will want to help and if you when you get a little bit vulnerable though uh you know it's amazing the things that you can go oh i didn't even i didn't want to address that but now i have i go man this has made things so much easier or you know uh i, I wasn't a big one initially for those sort of things but it sort of uh 
you know, I started to put down little things that uh, how I could be better, and then you know, look at different games and times to see, you know, are, are you actually getting getting to where you want to get to? You know, it sounds a lot like the uh, advice I would give lieutenants. You know, when they take over a combat unit, you know, is you, you've got to be in charge, right? You've got to take responsibility. But you've got these experienced sergeants around here. You got to ask for their advice. You know, and 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 I think it, it, when when leaders do that, the, the organization just becomes you know, so much more powerful, you know, and, and you're also kind of hitting how important it is to learn, you know, to learn from failure in this case, you know, what, what you regarded as, as failure in the, in the semifinals, but, you know, uh, there's this old saying about, about armies, right. That armies are always ready to fight the last war. But I think the opposite is the case. The armies that don't study the last war or do it only superficially, they're set up for failure in the next one. So can you talk a little bit about like how you studied, what happened in 2007, how you applied it and went on to a World Cup uh, afterwards? Well, the, the, the biggest re regret that I, I just can't understand why we didn't is after 2007, we, we said, well, we need to learn the lessons. But we had a lesson in 2003. We had a lesson from the team in 99. The two previous had been failures as well. And we hadn't even bothered looking at it because that was some other team. I was part of that team and it was, you know, the All Blacks, but we we didn't actually like, and you look at that now and go, how stupid, but you know, it's sort of, you, you move on and you, you sort of go, oh, well, it won't happen again until it does. And, but because we, I, I guess I was lucky to still be in the role as captain, our coaches were still there. We, we had no choice but to address that. And the thing was, we, we spent a lot of time in that next period uh, thinking about how we could, you know, uh, ensure we had the tools and the attitudes and the right mentality to deal with those big situations again. But until you're actually in there, you don't know whether you're going to handle it or not. And it was sort of one of those ones where I think we were better, but what are the lessons that have we actually learned it? And until you sort of get tested like we did in 2011, uh, we weren't going to know. And I don't know, it's a good thing and a, and a bad thing. Well, it was probably a bad thing for people watching in 2011, the final, and it came down to one point, you know, but in some ways, I was so glad that we actually got to find out whether we had the had the medal to ha handle, you know, when it was could easily have fallen to pieces again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so we're talking about really learning from failure and and then you know being honest with each other, setting out a course to 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 achieve the excellence that, that you want to achieve and the goals you want to achieve. But also, it's important to guard against complacency, right? I mean, I mean, you know, the All Blacks are the most winningest team in sports, right? And and so how do you guard against that? I'm thinking, you know, there's this, there's this, this monograph written years ago uh, called The Albatross of Decisive Victory. And the author was writing about the Israeli defense forces between 67 and, seven, and the 73 war. And the idea that that decisive victory in 67 kind of set them up for some difficulties in 73 because they kind of let their guard down. They become a little, a little complacent. But, you know, when I, when I look at documentaries about like Steve Hansen, his coach and everything, I, I, I hear him talking all the time about complacency and guarding against it. What, what did you do to to continue winning, you know, after you had already had some tremendous successes? I think we were helped in some ways that the um, we, we drew upon the the, um, the history of, of the All Blacks through 100 years that, you know, that that's kind of every week the expectation was that you were successful. You didn't. You know, just because you had a big win in a tournament or had won a trophy, the, the next week, if you know, uh, it didn't mean as much. We, we we had that as a starting point, but we had to really drive it. And I think that it's easy when you have had a loss or a disappointment, you know, to dig 
really deep and address all those little things that didn't go well and, and be really honest. But it's when you maybe have those similar things, but you have a win in the weekend, how do you really dig into the, and And I think Steve Hansen, um, certainly, and Graham Henry was the same, is that, you know, when you're feeling pretty good on a Monday after a good performance, actually, that they set the tone of going, actually, put the result to the side. If we didn't know what the, the score was, here are some things that we aren't that good at. And, and I think what we also did was went beyond just the scoreboard. So yeah, we want the scoreboard to take care of itself, but it's the level of performance that we wanted to get better at. And, you know, whether you're saying it's the perfect game or the the the, the dominance that just no one, no matter how good they turn up, they just can't live with you. That to me was it was something that is there every week. And so, and then I think it evolved in the, after we'd won the World Cup in 2011, it would have been easy to have had a subconscious complacent sort of feeling, oh, well, we've picked that box. And but like the example you use, you sort of cruise through and go, well, hope, I'm hoping that it might happen again. Whereas we we actually, and, and to be fair, the, the the four years I had as a as a leader, you know, after what happened in 07, it was, it was pretty draining in terms of, you know, the energy and the emotion and everything that went into making sure we could get some success. Uh, the thought of actually doing that again was like a big weight on the shoulders. Yeah. And I, I remember sitting down uh, with a guy who was helping us, and he said, "What?" And I said, oh, "I don't know if I can do it the same again." And he said, "What are you trying to do it like that?" Before? I said, "Well, I'm quite keen to win." He goes, "But this is a completely different scenario. This is doing something no one's done before. No teams won back-to-back World Cups. No captains won back-to-back. You know, um, this is going into uncharted territory." And all of a sudden, I, I, I was sitting forward on my seat, going, "Man, this is a great opportunity. How exciting to!" have a crack at this and what this is going to mean to, you know, every game that you got to play had something riding on it. And as you started to go, you know, teams wanted to knock you off even more and then that became even more. You didn't want to give away a scalp, you know, and I think that started to become self-fulfilling until, you know, you didn't want to let your guard down. But it's I, I do believe it's the toughest thing in sport to back up a great performance with another great performance, no matter how much you tell your conscious brain, we need to go back and reset and go through the, it's, it's the subconscious you got to get right. And uh, to, you know, got to figure out ways of not just turning up on Saturday and hoping that it's going to be okay. Actually knowing we've got, uh, you know, even if you haven't quite got the emotion that's might've been there the week before, you can still go and have that cold blooded, uh, you know, desire to just nail your job, you know, no matter the situation. And that's sort of some of the language we we tried to use to um, ensure that complacency didn't come in. And and the last thing I'd say, in training, you know, we'd, we'd get the guys that weren't playing and obviously wanted to play to get stuck into the guys that were playing and, and get <laughs> get a bit of niggle going there just to say, hey, you're going to get this on Saturday. If you're not prepared for it, then look out. Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Number 16 is ready to come in, man. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You gotta be careful. You didn't uh, overdo it, but just a little, little jab every now and again, uh, wasn't such a bad thing. <laughs> hey, so we, well, you did it. You, know, you, you won 97 of 110 matches when you were a captain. Right. And, and you know, one of the things Richie bu- bugs me these days is I hear people talking about like, ah, oh, you know, winning's not important. I mean, I even hear people say that about war, you know, I've heard, 
the, this new phrase creep in responsible end. what the hell is that is what i think you know i mean it, responsible end means you're going to get your ass kicked right if you don't go into to a, to a match uh wanting to win any thoughts on that about about like a winning culture and and the, the degree to which you know that that's just that's important to the you know to, to the mentality that leads to victory well i think as soon as you um you're not there to win. You've got an excuse if it doesn't go well. And if you've got an excuse sitting there or a, a way of saying, oh, well, it, I can justify not winning. Um, you, you know, I, I think you, um, you set yourself up. Well, one of the things about rugby that I think is um, unique is that you can have a, have a great, uh, you know, challenge with the opposition on the field, but it's the, the, the values and, and how it's done are important. Um, and 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 one of the things in New Zealand that's hugely important to the to the All Blacks in New Zealand rugby is you can have strive for absolute excellence, but have it do it with humility and um, and the humbleness that uh, you respect the game and you respect the people you play against. It doesn't mean you don't want to go and <laughs> cause as much damage as you can when the ball's in play, but afterwards you uh, can shake hands and I, and and I often people. You know, would say how do you uh, get both? I think that's possible, and I think rugby sets that up. But also, that's one of the things that's hugely important in New Zealand. But the, um, the you don't want to confuse that. You know, that humility and that doesn't uh, come um, filter into striving for absolute excellence every single time, and you'll do anything you, you can uh, for the team to be successful. Um, so, and but I think that's got to be led from the top. And I always said, um, that especially for, for the All Blacks, we we can't afford for our place in the world and to be successful in the long term to not be uh, to accept losing at all. Uh, it doesn't mean to say we won't lose the odd one. That's reality. But the moment we uh, say that it's okay and that we don't, uh, and we we make it. Uh, you know, that, oh, well, we'll get next week, we're in trouble. And it's a bit like you make a mistake. They do happen, but if you make it acceptable and uh, and, and okay, then mistakes will just start compounding. Whereas if we address the problems that have, of why we've had a, had a uh, poor result or made mistakes, uh, you're always going to keep striving. So, you know, it's a long-winded way of answering your question, but but that's why we do. We, we, we compete as we want to win. And, uh, you know, that, that's the bit that drove me. Um, but I, I think on top of that, it wasn't just the score. It was how we did it and, and the dominance of being able to do it every time. Like uh, consistency was one of the big things, certainly from a personal point of view, is I didn't need to be 100 out of 100 every single time. I, I tried to be. But as long as my performance never dropped below what I ex- I, I thought was uh, a level that needed to be to be a, a great All Black. I, that, that's what I tried to turn up and do every single week. And I think if you have people all with that sort of attitude, then you can sustain success. You know, Richie, I, you mentioned already lessons society can learn from rugby. I, I mean, I, I'm a true believer in this, right? You mentioned already, you know, the degree to which humility, the, the professional ethic that's around Right, or the sports ethic that's around rugby of professionalism and and you know and and courtesy to the other team, even though you know uh, they might have taken a few cheap shots during the match, there might have been some acrimony on the pitch afterwards. You know, everybody's okay. 
And man, when I look at our society today, a couple things I think we can learn from rugby. One of them is, you know, how about this just idea of humility and mutual respect, right? Our our politics, I don't know if you're paying attention to what's going on in our country, man, but I'm telling you, our <laughs> politics are crazy, uh, vitriolic, and everybody goes right into ad hominem attacks, you know. Uh, but then also, there's this tendency these days to tell our young people the system's against you, you know, and 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 to, to kind of rob them of agency over, over their future, you know. So I, I think that what what rugby, the story of the All Blacks and rugby teaches people is, hey, you can you can control your future by a commitment to excellence, a commitment to one another. But what what thoughts do you have on what society can learn from from rugby? I think one of the things um, that. As I mentioned it earlier, that you, you can't be successful in a, in a rugby team without uh, needing to build a team and trust amongst amongst people, and then having a having a shared uh, you know goal or a thing that you buy into is, is quite powerful. And and what it teaches you is you can uh, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be good at it. Like I I get frustrated when people say you know oh don't dream, you know, about doing that. That's impossible. You know, you're getting ahead of yourself. Like I say, why not? You know, if you never dream of something or, you know, want to get somewhere, you're never going to get there. You, you still might not, even though you do, but give yourself a chance. And I think one of the things that, uh, you know, when you're in an environment, like I was lucky enough to be through professional rugby, but also the, the games, you learn how to work with people and then you start to see things that may not have been possible. You know, you, you have a team that, yeah, uh, go out and do better than what was what you what was perhaps uh, expected, and and those sort of things uh, compound. But you can do it in a way, as I say, the values of of the a team sport and the values of rugby, I, I think, uh, are hugely helpful for people how they fit in, and you know whether you end up in a working environment. You know, you got to work in a team. You work. You understand different people and. And the other thing I'd say is, uh, especially here in New Zealand, is rugby, especially in the All Blacks and our, and our professional teams, are made up of people from all sorts of backgrounds and cultures. And and seeing that as a real positive, how you get the best out of people when they all buy into something that, that we all want uh, can be successful. Whereas in society at the moment, everyone's sort of got their own little bit and don't have an identity of category, how. right? Everybody wants to be, you know... Having a specific identity category or something. It's crazy, yeah. It's a its a bit like, you know, one of the good things about the All Blacks, for example, is we had people with a background, uh, so European, Māori, uh, Pacific Islands, um, you know, all sorts, but we're all bound together by being New Zealanders and, and we wanted to represent New Zealand, uh, you know, and so you put aside or you, you bring your positive attributes that come with, you know, your upbringing or your set of values, but they all moulded in together about being a New Zealander representing the All Blacks. And to me, that's hugely powerful, that uh, a sense of identity that's beyond yourself. Whereas if it'd be easy just to sit in your own little group and go, well, the world's against me on this, or, uh, you know, I'm getting an unfair deal here. And that's all you hear through news media now is everything that's going wrong rather than actually some of the things that are going right. And Nick, you, you, I can see how people get quite despondent. Well, you know, this, there's this tendency these days to try to want to categorize people based on this identity category instead of, hey, what's in their hearts? What's in their soul? Are they tough? Are they courageous? Are they fit, you know, uh, uh, to be a, a member of, of the team? But also, you know, to recognize our common humanity, you know, and 
Could, would you mind talk a little bit about the ritual of the haka? You know, I, I think that we all have rituals in our societies, right? And I, I think America has been pretty good at at helping uh, all of us as citizens understand our common identity as Americans and 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 really the great gifts and opportunities we have in this country. Now, that doesn't mean everybody has complete equality of opportunity, right? We've got to work on that. There are things to work on. But I, I think that these these rituals and and that, that celebrate our common humanity, our common identity as you know New Zealanders, as Americans, as a member of the All Blacks team, you know, are, are important. But would you mind talking about maybe even the the debate around the haka and then how all of you came to the conclusion that this is an important element of your culture? Yeah. Um, so the, for the, the your listeners that. Uh, don't know that the, the haka is a um, it's a, a, a it's a Maori a native people of New Zealand. It's it's something that they used to do before battle or as a ceremonial um, expression of who they uh, who they are as, as as a people. And and back in the early uh, early days, 1905, when the original All Blacks had uh, travelled, they had uh, some Maori players there that uh, obviously. Uh, Put the haka was something that, and so it was done all the way through. And and growing up in New Zealand, um, you know, when we go to school, all the first fifteens all have their own hakas, and and we we do it to each other, and it, it's it's uh, something that's quite ingrained into New Zealand society and and culture. Um, so if, with the All Blacks, before each game, we we perform it, and it's uh, there was a period where. I guess the understanding for a lot of us that weren't didn't have a Maori background, you sort of go, well, I don't kind of understand uh, it as well as I should. And so we put time into to it because you go, well, I'm not, I haven't got a Maori background. Uh, you know, is it, what, 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 what should I feel around it? But where we got to is it's a symbol of who we are as, as New Zealanders, which is represented by the native Maori people and it's a bit like people stand up and sing the national anthem before a game you know there's a huge amount of passion and pride of of who you're representing the huck is very similar to that it's a something that's unique to New Zealand but it's an expression of who we are as a I guess a, a quite a diverse uh society here in New Zealand that is uh um bound together uh as New Zealanders and and that's an expression to show people who, who we are. And and from a sporting context, we also said it's in a, um, a statement to say we're ready for what's ahead, which is the, the game of rugby. And, um, and you know, people would say or often gets criticised that we get an unfair advantage because you get to uh, steer down the opposition and, uh, you know, perform the haka. But I, I guess we didn't really look at it like that it was more uh just a, a statement to say we're ready to play and um it it gives you you know hairs on the back of your neck stand up you know it, it makes you sort of reflect on uh the pride you have of standing here with the black jersey on who you're representing and uh and knowing that you got five million new zealanders all by and large want to see their team be successful and and we get the chance we, we're about to get the chance to hopefully uh you know, put a performance together that they're proud of. Well, you know, it, it, it does it for me, man. It gets me fired up every time I see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. My my old my old uh, team. We used to we used to we used to stand shoulder to shoulder and, and sing the Wild Rover. But when we came, we oh, all yeah. went in together, uh, brothers on three. So so West Point rugby also uses the brothers break breakdown. 
uh, before yep. before the match. <laughs> which I you know, which, say, I, yeah. which I, I think go that goes to the you know that goes to Shakespeare's play Henry V. You know when he talks when he talks right before the the battle of I think it was the Battle of Agincourt. You know and he's describing you know we band of brothers. You know and he who sheds his blood with me today will forever be my brother. You know and then he goes on to say you know I don't care what your title is I don't care what your station is it's all we're all in this together. So I do think that's a big lesson for society these days, but. You know, also, how about this, the whole culture of, you know, ha having a pint afterwards, you know, um, after a match coming together, you know, what, what other lessons do you think we, we, there are for society today when we see everybody seems to like either want to be a victim or they want to be incensed or angry about something. I, I just want to tell everybody, hey, lighten up, man, get over it. Let's work, work together. Um, what, what else do you think rugby can teach us, Richie? One of the things uh, we, we talked about the values of, of the game up until you know uh, certainly through the amateur era after especially after test matches and same with uh, provincial rugby in New Zealand um, and, and club rugby afterwards after you've had a uh, eighty minutes of battling against each other then you go and sit down with the opposition team and share a drink and used to be have a test match dinner um, professional rugby changed things a little bit but I know in my time certainly we we. And I, I talked with a lot of the other captains around the world um, about after every game, and we played at night often, so it was limited time. But after each game, the home team, win or lose, would invite the opposition into their changing room to share a drink. And 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 you know you could have, as you say, could have gone and uh, all sorts of things happened out in the field that you sort of uh, would easily to. Um, to hold grudges or, you know, chat, you know, but it was sort of, you leave that out there and then you go and, and, and respect people for who they are. They're doing their bit for their team. We're doing our bit for our team. And, and, uh, but you know, you're bound together by the, the values and the, I guess the traditions of rugby, which, you know, uh, when you break that down, you realize that the people standing there, the opposition's Jersey, have a very similar outlook to you the way you do when you uh, get a chance to talk. You know, they are passionate about the game, they're passionate about their country, and they want to go and be successful. And and it's the same. And you got to respect that and admire that. But to be able to put all that aside and just uh, share a drink, that's uh, that's something that I I really really enjoyed. And the other thing is only those guys in your team and the guys you played against know what it was like out in the in the in the arena they know what it was like uh how, how it felt uh what the noise was like all those sort of things and that's what, what you share which is in common and and uh and i think those values and if you put that to society you know like we can have debates about things or disagreements or uh you know have a different opinion but at the end of the day uh you can put that to the side and uh and treat people as humans, and 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 have a respect for their their position, and you don't need to agree, but actually uh, look at things. Uh, well, yeah, uh, look at people as 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 people, not as uh, because they think that or they have those sort of things. And I think that that's uh, I think rugby can could teach a could teach us a lot about those uh, those type of values. I think. Yeah, I think uh, the words are coming to mind. We've talked about uh, you know, today or trust, you know, certainly humility. And I think we were talking about is empathy, too, you know. And and uh, and so I, I just think that you've helped us really understand the, the implications uh, of the sport of rugby for society, what we can learn. You know, I also recommend the book Legacy, Kerr's book Legacy, you know, where he's got 
the, the essentially what he sees as the, as the central elements of success of the all blacks and how they relate to what he calls the business of, of life. But Hey, I want to, I want to change topics a little bit and just talk about rugby world cup, Paris, 2023, you know, any predictions, yeah. how do you see it going into <laughs> the, going into the tournament here? Um, well, from a New Zealand point of view, I, I thought we were traveling along pretty well. Um, we had a wee hiccup with the warm-up game uh, against Springboks in uh, England, but ha- hard to read too much into these uh, sort of games to get teams ready. But I've been saying for a while um, there'll be there'll be probably half a dozen teams all sitting there, you know, in the, leading into the World Cup game. We've got an opportunity to to potentially win, um, and there's probably another few teams that have got the ability to knock over anyone on their day, and so that makes it pretty uh, pretty open uh you want, do you want to name them i'm thinking ireland you know france uh south africa i mean uh ireland france south africa new zealand um and then and then the teams that you know england well, haven't had a great warm-up but they've got the ability to knock someone over the welsh and the scottish they've all got the ability and they've just seen the fijians beat england uh there's yeah, some right. mix uh all blacks playing and australians playing for the pacific Islanders. so all those, th- you know, you put those teams, they've all got the ability to knock someone over. They may not win three big games in a row, but, uh, you know, if they have their day in a quarterfinal. Do we mention Argentina? They're always tough. No, too. but they're, they're in there too. Yeah. 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 So, but just seeing the French over the last couple of years, and they obviously had a big win against Australia in a warm up game, and the All Blacks got to play them first round. That's, that's a massive indicator, I think, as to where they're at. But, I don't know. Funny things have happened. We were favourites in 2007. Uh, we didn't get past the quarterfinal stage. We'd kind of say, oh, you, you can't get to, you know, what's gone even a few weeks before. It's so hard to understand. You've got to, I don't know whether it's luck, but, you know, you've got to deal with injuries. You've got to deal with uh, things that don't go your way. You've, the draw might pan out one way or the other. You've just got to deal with all those things. All the teams have it. So it's who can you know, manage all that the best and uh, produce three performances in a row. And you talk about complacency, you go and have a massive performance, you know, and get through a game, maybe a quarterfinal, to repeat it next week, that becomes, even though you go, what's well, a semifinal or a final, it's really hard to get that right. Um, so, you know, the teams that have got a bit of an understanding of that will be uh, in with a, in with a um, yeah, a, a really good sniff, I think. If you want my predictions, uh, I'm hoping that the first game, the French uh, All Black game, might end up being the final. <laughs> it could be. I mean, the way the brackets are, that could that could happen. Yeah, that could happen. Wow. That could. No, I was just going to uh, – you look at the, the quarterfinals, the All Blacks could potentially, provided they make the quarterfinals, will play against South Africa or Ireland, and the French will play the other South Africa or Ireland. So there's going to be – they're going to be massive games, which is, makes it exciting. Well, you know, I'll be there for the bronze match in the final, so hopefully I'll see you there, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm going with some of my old rugby teammates, which will be a blast, and and uh, and, and all of our, our wives. It'll be fun. And, you know, I also want to get your advice for for US, USA rugby and and uh, and the Eagles. You know, it didn't qualify this year, which was heartbreaking for me, but, you know, Rugby World Cup's going to be in the United States in 2031, and I think it's a sport that should grow. You know, it's just a great sport. You know, you, you don't need all this equipment. I think you have fewer head injuries, although all of us have had head injuries. But you know, I think if you if you employ the proper techniques, it's it's less dangerous than than American football, for for example. 
all you need is a mouthpiece and 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 a, and a, and a set of boots, you know. And and I think it's a sport that should be played everywhere, you know. Um, so what what advice do you have for the U.S.? How how do we get everybody to catch rugby fever? And then and what and what uh, you know what advice do you have for USA rugby? Like the everyone talks about it. Like the the, the American uh, like America is a um, a sleeping giant, or could potentially be. You know the the people the Americans like with the NFL they um, they love the contact sport and and rugby. I, I think fits right in with the psyche of what uh, you know how American people you know look at their sport. Um, I, I do believe the the World Cup will unleash some uh especially you know you think about kids wanting to play and you know if, if all of a sudden they instead of potentially growing up wanting to you know play in the nfl they and, and then rugby sort of something that comes along later actually grow up wanting to play rugby that's when you know you start would start to really get that ingrained um the way i, I see it but um there's more rugby players in, in America than there are in, in New Zealand by quite a long way. So you sort of get the uh, that organised into, as I say, you get the the pathway of kids wanting to, you know, that that's when I think you really start to get it right. But um, I don't know, a big country, a big population, how you get that together, whether you start in small areas and grow it, or I, I don't know, you probably know more than I did about that, but. I, I, as I say, the 2031, like when the, you know there's a World Cup coming, the resource and the attention and all, you think about uh, even sponsors wanting to be involved, all those sort of things. Maybe that that's a, a way of starting. The women's programs ahead of, of the men, so hopefully that'll give them some incentive too. You know, the the women's World Cups the following year, isn't it? 32, isn't it, or 33? Right. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Hey, so any 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 final words for our viewers, Richie? This has been a great a great uh, discussion. Thanks for joining us. But anything else you'd like to say? Well, well the thing I um, I, I look back on the, the, the game of rugby is, uh, you know, I wondered when I finished playing, you know, what I'm going to do next, and you know, whether it be in business, or whatever. But and you wonder what skills or things you take out of rugby. But the the lessons that you learn uh, for life around, you know, being a part of a team and I guess how you, you know, the leadership side is, you know, I'm hugely grateful for and, and um, you know, uh, just was privileged to have a chance to do that. And I just love chatting, you know, with people like yourself that, uh, you know, love, love these sort of conversations. Uh, you know, chatting about uh, the game of rugby and, and and how it could potentially have an impact on uh, society in general. I know it has a big impact in, in our country and, yeah, hopefully uh, it was still war in years to come. Well, Richie, I, thanks a lot. I mean, on, on behalf of the Hoover Institution, thanks for helping us understand how the, the game of rugby and your experiences can help us work together to build a better future. Great to see you. Uh, thank you. Appreciate the time. Battlegrounds is a production of the Hoover Institution, where we generate and promote ideas advancing freedom. For more information about our work, to hear more of our podcasts, or view our video content, please visit hoover.org.